Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about the new Wizards of the Coast live stream that Chris Perkins is doing called D&D Presents, and we also talk about episodic adventures. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir, on this fine Saturday, December morning. Yes. Hello, everybody. (laughs) It is a fine Saturday, December morning. Very cold out. I think we're going to get some snow a little bit later this week. I don't know how much snow you've guys gotten so far, but uh, we're going to get a little bit. It was here, and then it disappeared. And now it's like 50 degrees out and really nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it should be pretty good. There's a big weekend going on. Lots of gaming happening all over the country. And it's some conventions I'm sure we'll talk about in just a moment. But uh, I think it's good. Yeah. I'm excited. All right. I'm very excited. This is awesome. I (laughs) am drinking some coffee as my baby decided to stay up most of the night. Uh, and so I literally rolled out of bed like 30 minutes before we had to do this show. So I apologize and my hair's a mess. Uh, but thank you for, uh, being an uh, audio podcast listener and not knowing what I look like right now. I really appreciate it. Um, we are a D&D talk show. We talk about all kinds of Dungeons and Dragons things, and we're going to start off the day with a Dragon Plus video. What is a Dragon Plus video for those of us who don't know? Yeah, so that was the name of the one on D&D, their channel, their YouTube channel. They just call it Dragon Plus. And I think it's mostly because it's um, hosted by Bart Carroll, who does Dragon Plus. Okay, yeah. So, and usually he brings on um, Jeremy quite often to do Q&As, especially if a UA article had been out. Right. So this was the bring Jeremy on and talk about what we talked about last week, which was the psychic ua article that we got last week and we got jeremy's kind of rendition of it um so if you want a little bit more information about what that article was about or what how they or not the yeah, ua article and why they did some of the things or some of the ideas that they had or where they were going with some stuff uh-huh. that's a good video to go ahead and check out they also touch base on the much longer ua article which was the one with all of the new changes to the classes and even had feats at the end of it it had it was like a big long ua article the one just before that one and they hadn't quite got to all the questions of that one so they did a few questions there so it's a nice inside look at what wizards of the coast is thinking right when they're building those uh ua articles and i'm still excited about them um I, it does sound like Dan Dillon did a lot of uh, um, work on that. And I, we know Dan Dillon's a new hire that's over there. One of the new hires for last year. I say last year, I guess we're still in 2019. So yeah. this year, um, which was cool. So we could see some of his work that's going into it. And they did really say that they wanted somebody that was um, like some of those themes were coming from different pop culture areas, you know, Mm -hmm. and some of them were a harken back to how things used to be, but they also said they weren't trying to create a new system. They were, this is another way of them trying to figure out, can they do it within the system they already have? So they've had like, we talked about last week, but there's Mm -hmm. three different ways they've tried to decide how they want to bring psionics into this world, which maybe means next year, 2020, we get a psionics-based campaign setting of some sort. Yeah, I or at least one that addresses it. Yeah, I wonder if it will be a campaign setting, and then that's where the new... Uh, or not a campaign setting. I was, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm going to back up. Tired. Um, I was thinking it was going to be an adventure that hmm. involves psionics, and that they're... Hmm? In. <laughs> I really love us. my internet. I and love he's it. there. <laughs> I love it. It's this, like... It's this five to eight second hiccup yeah. and it, and it very consistently comes back and it's just frustrating. But what I was saying is I was thinking it was going to be an adventure that involves psionics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, they'll, they'll kind of put it in there. Cause I don't know, maybe they'll do another campaign setting, but I don't think they can do a whole psionics campaign setting. If that makes sense. Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, or they could do one that where it was featured prominently. Right. So if like they in dark, dark sun, sun, I think it was yeah. featured prominently yeah. 
probably in uh, Spelljammer. It's featured prominently. I don't know about Planescape if they dived into it too much. Do you think it'll be wrapped up with those new subclasses that they had in Unearthed Arcana 4? Like... I think one big Jeremy, book. the way the impression I got from the video is that Jeremy's really pushing to do it that way versus we create a whole new system or it's like a sorcerer point system or a psionic point system, or it's a, Hey, let's create a whole new book for it. Mm-hmm. So that here's your psionics handbook. Like they've done sometimes in the past. I think Jeremy's pushing for, let's just make subclasses that are flavored enough that they give you the psionic subclass you want and you can flavor it so it works and we don't have to redesign the system that's that we have at the moment. That's the way I'm guessing it's going to go because he seems like that's the way he's pushing and I imagine that they listen to a lot of his suggestions quite a bit. So Okay. That would be my guess, but I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. We we've yeah. we're we've probably going to get one these... or two adventures next year and another yeah. like Xanathar type book or maybe a, a, a campaign setting or something, but right. Well, how many, I think um, we always say this and I, and I always ask the question, I should have looked it up before we started the show, but how many books did they release in 2019? Oh like, yeah. I don't know. Cause I, I imagine they'll release that same number or one or two more because <laughs> it seems like they're, they're ramping up production to really get books out and really take advantage of the the resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons in the pop culture world and just the popularity of Dungeons and Dragons that feel like they're really riding that wave right now. So I, I'm thinking we're going to keep seeing, I don't know, was it like five or six books last year that we got? For, it was four, unless you count Dungeons and the Dragons Essentials and Kit. Stuff. Yeah. And then it was five. Um, so it was Avernus, Eberron, Acquisitions Incorporated, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, the Essentials Kit, and Rick and Morty versus Dungeons & Dragons. So, Yeah, well, Dragons, the re-release of the Dragons of Tyranny book. Mm-hmm. That's true. I forgot about that one. That is not in my, my internet Google search. So, yeah. Yeah, so a bunch of... So that's what I assume we will get next year. I assume we'll get the... Another big live show. Bigger, better, stronger. It might even turn into... It's, we might... I still think we said this quite a few shows ago, but we might be seeing the birth of a new convention or the birth of a new event that a convention grows around it. Mm -hmm. Just like Gen Con kind of started small with certain companies, but then it grew into this big thing where all these companies are coming. All these game companies are there to do that. Now Uh, we might be seeing the same thing with this live event for that too. Other than that, they didn't have a lot. Um, I'll skip down one more there where for the new year, they started announcing, Hey, we're going on vacation. We'll be gone for two weeks or whatever. It sounds like wizard of the coast is really good about letting their employees take a good extended vacation, especially towards the end of the year. And it sounds like a lot of them are going to be doing that. Yeah. So my guessing we're not going to see very many announcements until they're back from the new year. So I don't expect too much until January. Now I was hoping we'd get something in December, a teaser, you know, but I'm thinking maybe not now. I don't think we might, we probably won't hear about what the next book is until January. Is my True. Guess. So um, other than that, all of our great friends and buddies and pals are all living it up at PAX Unplugged at the moment. That's the big convention. The who's who in, of the D&D Twitter community. Yeah, <laughs> over in Philadelphia. Have you been to Philadelphia before? I was um, there last year. I've been to the airport but that's about yeah, that's it. not yeah. good <laughs> no i flew through there to get to new york but i haven't really explored but uh i know nerdarchy wants to have a convention next halloween 2020 and they want to do it in philadelphia and then oh, i assume cool. pax unplugged will be there again um and i kind of want to try and hit both of those conventions so i was like maybe yeah. i'll go to philly twice we'll see yeah That'd be cool if he yeah. if he organizes that. That's cool. Yeah, um, I did see that they were out there. He was doing interviews, which was really cool. Um, I walked around. That's a it's a pretty nice convention center. If you haven't been to one before, mm-hmm. um, parking's a little weird. So if you're going out there, kind of get ahead of the ball on parking, um, or just get your hotel super close. Pay yeah. the extra money just to be super close. Kind of like you did with Gen Con. Yeah. So you didn't have to worry about too much. You were you were close ish. To yeah, a convention center. <laughs> not as close as I wanted to be, and I definitely think next Gen Con I'm going to try and get in the housing lottery and see if I can't get closer. Because yeah, yeah, that would be nice. But we'll see. Yeah, but that's about it for news. Super short. This no, because we got we're just D&D at the end presents. of the year. You know. Oh, 
Well, there we go. Take it away. So, uh, dice camera action is no more. Wizards of the Coast officially came out and said that uh, they are they're canceling it or just not renewing it, basically. And uh, to say, hey, thank you for all the fond memories. We did a whole bunch of episodes, but we're not picking it up anymore. But we are starting a new, uh, a new like video. Uh, I can't think of it. Live stream game. Thank you. And uh, it's called D&D Presents or D&D Presents. <laughs> it was Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. And that'll be in 2020 January. I think they're going to start that. And it's kind of like, it's cool. I'm really excited they're doing it. Chris Perkins is going to DM again. Um, they're keeping two cast members, Nathan Sharp and Anna Prosser. And then they, they just kind of got rid of the, the problem kids. And not that they were problems, <laughs> but in Wizards of the Coast mind, they didn't want to be associated with their brand with these people because of reasons. Uh, so Pro Jared and Holly Conrad won't be joining, um, which is a little sad. I didn't follow Dice Camera Action, but I followed Acquisitions Incorporated, and I liked Holly's Strix character a lot. And I mm-hmm. like Anna Prosser's uh, Evelyn character a lot. And it's kind of sad to see that both of those will be gone because they're going to start with brand new characters, a new campaign and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, I don't know. But we have uh, two new cast members replacing them. Micah Burton, which uh, Lucian told me before the show because I was like, I don't know who she is. And they were like, well, that's LeVar Burton's daughter. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. and I like LeVar Burton. So that's really cool. She is a professional cosplayer, esports host, actor. She just does a bunch of cool nerd stuff i guess um mm-hmm. i feel bad that i i have been oblivious to her i'm not really sure what she does but i'm not in like a lot of cosplayer esports circles so it kind of makes mm-hmm. sense that i don't really know and then we also have jonathan indovino if that's, that's the one i was it. having trouble pronouncing yeah um, <laughs> and he is a twitch streamer and youtube star and uh, I, I checked out his youtube briefly it looks like he does a lot of video game youtube stuff um he seems like a cool guy so uh we'll see if the synergy's there Chris Perkins is really good about making the synergy happen, though, I think. so. But yeah, yeah they got need, a good core. You need sure. good friends to like bounce ideas off of each other. So we'll see <laughs> if these guys uh, replace it well. And, and who knows? It, it, it would be fun to start watching it from the beginning because Dice yeah. Camera Action was going on a long time. And I'm like, I just don't. It's kind of like Critical Role. Like, I like Critical Role, but I do not have the time and patience to listen to like 94 plus hour shows to catch up and yeah so i kind of listen when right. i can but I i'm excited because i, I want to see chris perkins dming a brand new campaign i'm hoping they're basically first level characters that sounds like right from the article that they're going to start with the D essentials kit which is awesome oh, cool. because he wrote that and yeah. got it all ready to be this perfect little adventure that any dm could start with and we're going to be in Fandolin, which is a place we know. It's definitely going to be Forgotten Realms. They gave us some character names, but not too many details yet. But I like the idea of, I guess I'm always excited about new campaigns starting. And yeah. long campaigns for me are hard to stick with. Even me as a dungeon master, I struggle trying to keep my campaigns running a long time. Yeah. The excitement for me always comes in that week or two before you're going to start a campaign and everybody's building characters and talking about what they want to do or what their character is going to be. And everybody's super excited and you're excited about, Oh, I've got this campaign idea and they're going to get to do this thing. And this is the very first plot string I'm going to throw out there. And this is what the whole campaign's based on. And that excitement level for me never seems to be greater than at the beginning. Like the Mm -hmm. beginning is always super high, super hyped and you're just really excited for it. So I'm, I can't wait to see it. Um, I did like, I think I would have been into dice camera action a little bit more had I been there from the beginning, but since I didn't, I came in halfway, I kind of watched a few episodes here and there and then would bounce off it, you know, come back every now and then watch an episode bounce off. But I always like the idea of getting it to watch it right from the beginning. And I like low level character play. I love watching people try to maneuver when their characters aren't quite superhero yet, you know, and not in that eighth, ninth, 10th, 15th level, whatever. Um, so, and they don't have all kinds of crazy magic items. They don't have all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. different things. So I'm, I'm excited to see what it is. I like, I want to see Chris Perkins style again. It's been a while since we've got to see him, um, dungeon master. He's done some live shows here and there. Those are more performance based, I think, but I want to see like the good, I almost want to see Jeremy, you know, do some more of those or just some more of the wizards of the coast people putting on, you know, doing those, um, on the, on the live Twitch 
channel version of it, not the go to the show and they have to put on a big production. Right. Because I feel like those are kind of a different show than a than a normal show. Yeah, I think those aren't your typical su- Sunday afternoon D and D sessions. No, it's interesting <laughs> that you say like you like uh, new new or you get excited for new stories to begin um, mm-hmm. because uh, my it we're in a we're in like a conundrum right now because one of our players uh basically his schedule doesn't work out very well and so we normally play two games a week but we're going to play one we're going to switch it back to one game a week so the consensus has been we need to finish acquisitions incorporated because we're really close to finishing it and then we'll go back to ghosts of salt marsh and i'll run that and then we'll finish that but one of my players was like well how long do we have with ghosts of salt marsh and i'm like well you guys are level seven i think it goes to level like 13 or 14 so you're you know maybe halfway there and he was like excited to keep playing but kind of bummed out because he has an idea for a game he wants to run with us and since we're only playing once a week we need to finish this one and i was like no this is why um i kind of and this will get into a little bit later but matt Koval had a really good video on uh downtime and he said it was probably one of his most important videos, even though it, it in his mind, wasn't going to like take off like an important video. But the what he, what he had to say was really meaningful to him. And that, you know, D&D used to be modular in that you would run a campaign that was like one to levels one to two or one to three. And then you would find another one that took you from four to six or four to seven. And so you kind of just play games like that. And it was really easy for people to jump in and out like, okay, yeah, that was fun. We got to level three. Let's start this one over here and make new characters, you know, but Mm -hmm. uh, the current wizards of the coast uh, plan is these year long or even double years of, uh, of play and these epic campaigns that just take a really long time to get through. So I don't know. It's, I I also get really excited and although I'm excited to keep running ghosts of salt marsh, I can totally sympathize with him to be like, but I I'm excited about my game. Now I want to play it right now. And the only thing I could be like, is like, you know, I don't think I can join that game if you want to play it right now, but go find friends. Like you don't necessarily need us. You know, if you really want to be a DM, go be a DM, but yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That video was really good. Um, It kind of, it reinforces that the way Matt Kova likes to play is very much the way I like to play. Mm-hmm. And I fall into the same traps that he was talking about. Cause he was like, that's one of the downfalls of his newest campaign, the chain of Akron. He's like, I've already made a huge mistake. He, he's like, I decided to make this big nebulous campaign that never really has an end to it. And that's never been my style. He's always like this. There's like this start and finish for him. And then there's a big break they can do some other things or they can do these, you know, like you said, the downtime one shots that he talked about, or they could play some other games or another DM could run some, and then they would come back and they might do something else with that campaign a little bit further on. But yeah. the way he pitched it in the Kickstarter was we're going to start a campaign. And it's going to be like critical role. It's going to run for yeah. two years. Everybody's going to get to level 20 before we even think about restarting over. And that's just not the style he's used to playing. So he made, he, he kind of admitted, he like, that's, that's been my big mistake. I shouldn't have done that. And I feel that the, I'm the same way. I, I'm not built as a dungeon master yet or at the moment to be a 1 to 20 level campaign designer, mm. runner, facilitator, whatever you want to call it. I'm more at home and I have more fun running small chunks. And they could be varying chunks. They could be, hey, let's run a four to seven, four to eight, like you said. Hey, let's run a one to five and see what happens. Let's run a 10 to 12 and see what happens. But the campaign itself is going to be maybe a 10 session, maybe a maybe 20 at the most. But even that's quite a few sessions. Like my secret revenue on the reboot of it at this point is on session 19. This Monday will be session 20. That's the longest I've gone on a single thread campaign so far. Like I'm always rebooting or restarting or let's do new characters Mm -hmm. or let's do this. I I don't necessarily get through all of those um, sessions. So I know there's lots of players that want to play long campaigns and I get it. I mean, you just got to find the dungeon master that's really good at that. Not all of us are are good at that. Um, I'm definitely good at the let's build lots of different campaigns that we all get to play around get to play around with new characters and new mechanics and new ideas Mm -hmm. um, and just see where they go for a little while, let it rest. And let's, you know, let's do something, you know, something else at that point. So 
I can see what you're falling into there for sure. Um, did, has he said what his cool campaign idea is or has he kept it to himself so far? Oh no. So it's a, it was a Kickstarter and it's called the weird and the wild and weird or the weird and wild. I can't remember. Um, but is it's, that grants? I don't know. Oh, the wild know. and well, he did one called. Uh, oh no, I'm thinking of Grim World. Maybe no, that's Wild and Weird uh, by wild Charles weird. Ferguson okay. Avery. Okay. Um, and it's a supplemental book for D and D, and it it comes with custom spells and this world, uh, custom spells, custom monsters, and it's this in this really interesting world. And he wants to do a very low magic setting where we have to do like gritty survival in the forest. And he's really mm-hmm. excited about it, and he's writing this whole thing. Um, so it's not a it's not a game that's being uh, pre written, but he's using this world, and then he's writing the game around it. Uh, and so, yeah, I was like, yeah, and he likes the idea of us like multi classing into magic, but like starting, you know, level one, we're not going to be magic users. We're going to be just like regular everyday people. Um, and then maybe we get something that unlocks us. So, so at level two, when you become level three, you can be a level one warlock. So you'd be like a fighter warlock or something or, or access wizard or clerical magic. Um, that's his plan. And it sounds really cool. And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to play in just about anything. If the dungeon master is really excited, because like, if you're stoked for this, like there's gotta be something that you think is really cool that I'm also going to think is really cool. So, yeah, I can always find a fun character to play. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah i got a million concepts yeah so that's that's pretty cool so I, I think that's what i'm excited about i think um with them showing their different live shows it gives people a lot i always like the idea that there's lots of different versions of how to play D out there because i do like critical role but i also am absolutely aware that most of us can't dungeon master like that or most it wouldn't even be fun if i tried to that's not the type of game that I think I would be good at running or even mm-hmm. trying to run as a Matt Mercer game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of fun running it the way I run it, which is very combat heavy, very um, player mat moving miniatures around heavy, probably because I like, you know, miniature games. Other people really like theater, of the mind stuff. Other people like switching storylines. Other people like long campaign threads, you know, there's, and I love the idea that there's so many different ways to, to do it so that anybody that wants to do this doesn't have to think, Oh, well, I don't do it like that person. I don't do it like Jerry Holkins does it, so I guess I can't really be a dungeon master. That's not true at all. There's a million ways to be a good dungeon master. and Just do it your way and find the players that want to play in that game that you're making. So Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So that is it for news. Yeah. <laughs> and that leads us on to my favorite little uh, segment that we've created. Even LB Hackamup said she liked the segment a lot. Um, I'm still getting Jordan to buy in and, and get on board with it, but it's our Bardic Inspiration or our Appendix D session. Uh, I've, got a, I've got an intro. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Bardic Inspiration. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Great. Record that and yep. nailed it. <laughs> well done um so mine i know i put uh, jordan on the spot because like he said he was up with his kid which is definitely a legitimate excuse, excuse for now <laughs> i don't know how long we're gonna let him keep using that but for now we'll, we'll let him get away with it but mine was i've been playing a little bit of destiny 2 on the pc and some of you may or may not know what that is and that's the point i hope you're one of those people who don't know what it is because it's this really fun sci-fi like um, game that has a really deep story in it, but I don't think everybody's been out in there playing. In fact, Jordan, have you played either Destiny or Destiny Two before? Nope, never. See, so that you're the perfect person for this idea. So my All bardic right. inspiration is taking people that you know will never play this computer game. Have no, they're not really into shooters. They're not really into MMOs. They don't really like to play computer games much. They like their occasional board game and then they've got the rest of their life, but that's about all they do for gaming. Maybe their one role play game that they play in the week. That's the type of player you want for this. And what I do is I completely steal the whole storyline for destiny because not only am I enjoying the storyline and the things that they made as I run my character through this, I can then sit there and think, you know what? It would be really fun to bring four other people who don't know anything about this world and run them through 
this as a campaign, this whole storyline of what's going on. And you could use visuals from the game, just screenshot visuals that you could throw up just to give them an idea of, oh, this is what we see. Yeah, and here's a creature that you might fight and you don't know what it is. And they're building their characters and they're building their abilities and learning about this world as they go. And the whole thing, I just get to go in and I can play for an hour and then go, oh, okay, I want to run that little nice side mission that sounds really fun for my next session. I write down the stuff, I draw out the map, I, I stat up a few things, and I'm ready for a session. I like maybe an hours of prep time, and I'm good to go. Plus, I'm playing it this really cool story. And it's not a story written by one person. It's a story written by hundreds of writers that they have over at Bungie. Mm-hmm. So you've got some good stuff to pick from. Not that their stories are the best, or not that this game is the best. But you could take this bardic inspiration, this Pendix D idea, and you could really put it on anything. You yourself could say you could go find a bunch of players that never played the Baldur's Gate PC game. And you could run the exact storyline out of the Baldur's Gate PC line. Or what's the game you've been playing recently? Um, I haven't been playing anything. Uh I feel like I saw you playing something not too long ago. Like you were had been playing. Oh, I forget what it was. It was on Steam, and I'm like, oh, he's playing that. I should play that with him sometime. <laughs> I don't know. I just bought well, any original game. Sin 2, but I haven't opened yeah, it yeah. up yet. <laughs> well, you could do something like maybe maybe you have some friends that aren't big N- Nintendo fans, so yeah. they don't buy the Zelda games. They don't. They know of that name, but they haven't really played the games. They, they're not Nintendo people. They're modern warfare people or whatever. You could take the storyline of what's happening in a Zelda game and easily move it right into a group of players that have no intentions of ever playing Zelda, but let them experience the story of it. And you're doing it through a role-playing game. So that was my bardic inspiration. I thought all of you out there, you could go to the comments and the YouTube video that gets posted this week or this coming up week. And you could say, what game would you like to run as a tabletop role play for a group of people that have no intention of playing that game? Like, so for me, it was like destiny Two. I'd love to find a bunch of players who are who never have any intention of playing Destiny 2, but then run them through that storyline because it's an amazing, fun, and cool, evocative storyline mm-hmm. that could be put into a game. So great dialogue, easy to build maps from because you could just run through it until you figured out that you know, okay, this is the area, I could draw that out. Um, great art assets for references and deep lore that's coming from many writers, not just one, which should make it a, a stronger overall lore. Um encyclopedia or lore Mm -hmm. um, wiki that you could look up and and draw from i feel like it could be a really strong way to 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 run a game so that was my bardic inspiration for this week did did jordan come up with one i did um last minute but here's what we're going to talk about so i listened to a i i do listen i actively listen to a podcast called roll up and die and Mm -hmm. it's uh about rpgs and they mysteriously just kind of stopped posting episodes like, I don't know, it's been two years now. And then randomly, my phone downloads a new episode of Roll Up and Die because they just like made up a new episode. And uh, they, they acknowledge, they're like, we've been gone forever, but we just had an idea, get the gang back together and do a, an episode. And they were talking about pulp adventures, which are those larger than life characters. And those characters like... Uh, Doc Savage and I mean all these other things they they really Indiana Jones is like a pulp character they they really lend themselves to RPGs because the characters you're playing are technically larger than life in that world even though you're level one you have magical powers and fighting prowess that your average peasant doesn't have and so I like that idea and it got me thinking about media that I consume now and um, one of my favorite shows back in the day was uh, Doctor Who. And I, I really like Doctor Who, and I like the story structure of Doctor Who. So circling back to what you were talking about, you know, pulling stories and things like that, where, you know, the Doctor and the TARDIS uh, appear, and uh, they have an adventure on whatever, like, random planet they're on. And then at the end of the episode, they get back in the TARDIS. The TARDIS disappears, and then we wait a week and next episode, the TARDIS appears and they're in Rome and they have an episode in Rome and they're running around like this. And it's like every week is just different, but we always end with them getting back in the TARDIS safe and disappearing on their next adventure. I've always wanted to run a D&D or a role-playing game campaign like that, where yeah. I have a group of, say, eight friends and I'm like, guys, I want to run a game Friday night. Come to my house if you can make it. 
four or five of them can make it. So they show up, they all have their characters and we roll or we play whatever two to three hour game that they're, you know, they have a mission for this one shot basically. And when they finish, they all go back to headquarters and then, then the next week, maybe different people can come out and they can all kind of come out and do stuff. I don't know how that worked with leveling. I don't know like that, but I really like the idea of these, of these non secular story arcs. Like you can mm-hmm. kind of just pick and choose characters and play, but you are as a dungeon master and as like maybe the players that are more committed, you are getting like an overall story and you're growing with these characters and things like that. So I don't know. That was kind of my bardic inspiration. I liked the idea of, yeah. I want to, and, and there's other systems for this, maybe monster of the week, although I haven't played that, but the title mm-hmm. kind of lends itself to being <laughs> better. Uh, but I like that idea of this also kind of spawned. I'm I'm rambling now, but this also kind of spawned from, um, I've wanted to do a improv comedy show like Dr. Who, where the doctor comes out of his TARDIS with his companion and then a bunch of improv actors hop on stage and pretend to be aliens or pretend to be Abraham Lincoln or something like that. And then you do a 30 to 40 minute long form improv sketch based on what you're giving. And then they go back in the TARDIS, they disappear and, and it doesn't matter because the next episode he'll come out and it'll be something completely different. And I feel yeah, like, like you could, I was thinking sliders as you're saying that, that, yeah. that old TV show sliders. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah. And you don't have to necessarily watch them in order. You could just sit down and watch an episode and you know, these characters and you like it. Um, and so I don't know, I really want to run a D and D campaign like that. And I wonder if it could work. Um, Here's the funny thing too, yeah. as you're describing that, I just realized you have just given the perfect definition of a West March's game. Yeah. Back in the day when we were talking about West March, he's like, I don't know if I know what West Marches is. What you described is exactly that, okay. is a West Marches game. It's this idea of every session is is encompasses itself. Yeah. You go out, you come back. There could be different people each time. Some people might have a, a connection, but it could be a loose connection. And like you said, the people that show up the most probably have more of the story but it still allows for people just to come up and be one-offs mm-hmm. or one-shots or, and it's over. It's just all inclusive. You're back at town and you're done. So it's not these long running campaigns that, that I seem like we've all fallen into lately. Yeah. yeah you just it's almost described like the West March has game. to be these really long epic things. And I was like, it, but it doesn't, you know, we can just no. play a game. Um, I was in a game of blades in the dark, which is a fun RPG. Yes. And, my friend that was running that was trying to do exactly what I was describing. So Mm -hmm. uh, there's a city in blades in the dark and I forget its name, but you go to the city uh, and then there would be some kind of blades in the dark is based on heists. And so there would be like, we'd have to pick up something. We'd have to steal something. We'd have to murder somebody. We'd have to kidnap or I don't know, but something like that. And so it was always like, we'd assemble a team. We go do the heist. We come back and then we'd like have downtime, uh, figuring out what we're doing next. And then the following week, I, Jordan would come again, but like three new people would show up because other people couldn't make that week. And so then it would be the same thing. These are the people I'm gathering for the mission that we're going to go out and do that. Um, and it was, it was interesting. I don't think it worked a hundred percent how the DM wanted it to work, but mm-hmm. uh, he, he was like, it's an experiment. We're going to try it out. And like the more we played like that, the more I think we could figure out how to make it work. You know, that's exactly what happened to my West Marches game is that it was an experiment. I had the idea of what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I got maybe 80% close to that, but I didn't master it and I didn't get it perfect. So I definitely needed more ways because you have to nail the one episode per session formula, the magic of a really fun, everybody loved it, but I got it all done in one session. We didn't need to all come back and finish yeah, you know, and I think the one thing that throws it off is for if you're going to do it for D and D five E, is that the combats can take so long that it's hard to judge how much you're going to put in your session. If there was a way to streamline that combat a little bit, yeah, I think you could do it. And, and I was choosing three hour sessions, whereas I think if you're going to do that <laughs> style, I think four hour is really the better. It gives you right. enough time to do everything you need to do. I was trying to do it in three hour, and that might have been too constraining for for what i was trying to do but yeah that's that's exactly what i wanted um had tried to experiment with also because i thought it'd be cool to be very episodic and it was this idea that more people could be involved because if they can't commit to i can come every single week they might not ever join your game but if you said hey 
any time you have between now and the next six six months and you can make one night, Mm -hmm. you can come play a game. You don't have to commit to all the other games to, to play. So you get a bigger, diverse group of people playing, which I think is really cool. So I like it. That's great. Bardic so inspiration. It. I want to have a one last one. I'm going to slip a third one in here. Not that we really need it, but this is a short one. Everybody should put a baby Yoda in their campaign right now, immediately. <laughs> Just do it. Get the picture, put it up for your players. They will all love it. Everybody is going gaga over baby Yoda. If you don't know what I'm talking about, shame on you. You should find out what I'm talking no, about. Look there's it no up. geek shaming on Google the Saturday morning D&D show. <laughs> no. It's shame. okay to not know about things. <laughs> shame. I'm loving that show so much. So yeah, that's a good one. That is it for Bardic Inspiration Appendix D. What about playing games? Now, did Jordan actually play Dungeons and Dragons this week? Well, Damn. tell us all about it. It's crazy. Um, crazy. I only played one game. So my my uh, Hand of Vecna Shadowfell game, which is uh, the one I'm really excited about that one. But um, with the holidays and with baby Oliver, uh, we decided maybe we'll try again in 2020, like in January. So we'll mm-hmm. kind of just get through this, this you know, uh, I don't know, this December and then uh, try to pick up again because my wife's playing in that one. And so we have to right. figure out like, well, we have to take care of the baby, but she also wants to play and things like that. And I have to take care of the baby and I have to DM. Um, and so our friends are understanding. So we're kind of just taking some time off with that one. Uh, but my other group, uh, my Ghost of Saltmarsh group, we did get together and meet and that was a lot of fun. Um, and they're in, a, they're in a transitional period where the Ghosts of Saltmarsh book gets you to level five and then the next adventure is level seven. So I've been uh, doing side quests for them to kind of level up from six to seven. So I don't just automatically say you're here. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's been fun because they've been too, able to do downtime. They've been able to explore the city a little bit more. And they actually got at a boat and went to um, Keelland, which is the kingdom to the north that kind of governs Saltmarsh. And within Saltmarsh, there are the loyalists who are you know loyal to Keoland, and then there are the traditionalists who are kind of like we want to be our own independent thing like we were and we don't want the the crown you know bringing us down and telling us what to do and stuff and so there's these two factions that are kind of fighting and it was fun for them to be able to go to Keoland and see what was happening um there's also this church of shar that uh attacked them in salt marsh and so they kind of wanted to see like is there a church of shar in Keoland and like what's going on there and they discovered that it's not as evil, like it's it's a not a good church, it's kind of a cult, but definitely not as evil as the one in Saltmarsh was. And so they're, they're getting more puzzle pieces and they're trying to figure out what's going on there. Um, it was a lot of fun. Our Artificer fully switched over to the new Artificer from the play content, the play test content. So he was running around with a bunch of new abilities and stuff and was really excited about um, his Artificer, which was fun. Uh, they got into uh, a not this was uh it's funny so you talk about like you like combat and this was mm-hmm. very much a non-combat uh day and i think my players felt it too but it was like necessary if that makes sense i'm like we're kind of in a place where if you don't show aggression like the people in the city aren't just going to come out and kill you and things like that so uh they're trying to coerce you they're trying to do a bunch of other things um and one of these cult of char members uh, was explaining to our our artificer that uh, if you want true power, Shar does not offer that. But there is a chained god that can bring you all the power you want. All you need to do is offer up your soul, blah, 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 blah. So he kind of met with this guy in the middle of the night in a street alley to get more information on this chained god. Um, and the agreement was, come back here the next night but bring a human sacrifice and we'll fully indoctrinate you into this chained God uh, cult. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay. And so uh, he did something that was very unexpected for me. He found a drunk next to a bar um, and gave him 50 gold and a note and said, I want you to take this note to the place with that guy and I'll give you another 50 gold once you do that. And the, and the you know drunk homeless guy was like, oh, okay. And so he took the money. Uh, well, we rolled persuasion and stuff and he was really good at it. So he took the money and the note said, uh, here's your sacrifice. I'll be back later. 
And so my artificer didn't actually meet up, but he did send somebody to the slaughter to kind of like <laughs> get in with this cult. And it's it's really interesting. And uh, we have a paladin that's like kind of against all of this. And we have a uh, artificer that's like really interested in all of this, I don't know, crazy stuff that's happening. Uh, they got back on a boat to head back to Saltmarsh because that's where the main campaign is and that's where they needed to go. So when they got back to Saltmarsh, they finished a couple quests here and there. Uh, they got a quest from some merfolk, um, some tritons, that were saying that the river was being polluted into the ocean and that their home was getting polluted because of a night hag in the forest. And our friends went and killed that night hag, but they could never find any pollution. So when they got back, they kind of confronted these three tritons and said, you know, we didn't find any pollution and we don't think you are who you say you are. And it turned out that these three tritons were actually three sea hags who had like beef with that other hag. And this was a side quest that I came up or that was in the book that I kind of modified to make it happen. So they ended up killing these sea hags, which was a fun close fight. And they got a really cool item called an iron flask. And this is in the DMG. And it's a magical item that holds a demon. And when you open the iron flask, a <laughs> demon will come out or a demon that was trapped in it will come out and it will serve you for exactly one hour. Then it will turn on you and attack. Uh, so they're really excited that they have this item and they're not sure exactly what they're going to do with it. Uh, but again, the artificer is like leaning towards these dark places. And so he's really excited that he has this demon that he can like run around with. Um, and then you can actually capture other demons into it and stuff like that. Uh, and that was our Ghosts of Saltmarsh. They're now level seven. So we're able to like get back on track with the story. And I'm going to push them to, uh, well, I'm not going to push them, but they've agreed to go into uh, this Sahagwin fortress to kind of explore and see what's going on there. Because they're afraid the Sahagwins are going to attack Saltmarsh. Um, and another thing, I have to go get it. It's over there behind me. But my <laughs> uh, my players really want a ship. And they bought a broken down ship that they're now repairing. And one of my players wanted us to have a physical ship to sail around on. So hang mm -hmm. on. <laughs> if you want to see the assembly of this, this was on Twitter also. I did. I put it on Twitter. So yeah. yeah. So this uh, ship, <laughs> um, you assemble it with magnets and it's it's uh, etched wood. like, And it's really cool. And so I got this yeah. boat that um, has multiple levels and stuff. And they're going to, this is their sailing boat. So I can have all kinds of cool stuff. Um, monsters climbing up the side of the deck of the ship. We can have all kinds of battles and things like that. So mm -hmm. they're... It was a really cool Christmas present, so that was really awesome, and I'm I'm excited to use it at the table. I think it'll be awesome, and I want to do more naval combat stuff now that I have this. Uh, so whenever they get their boat fixed and they start going out and kind of exploring the ocean, we'll be able to use this, and I'll be able to do a bunch of nautical adventures. Because, again, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, really great random tables in the back that you can roll and be like, oh this attacks your ship or, oh, you find another ship or, oh, you find an island and it's got all of these things. And so it's really fun to be able to, um, to just roll randomly and create a scenario for them as they go out into the ocean. Uh, and I, I like that a lot. I'm really excited. So it'll be, it'll be fun once, once we get there, but yeah, now we're only playing once a week. So we'll see how long it takes us to get through salt marsh. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a while. <laughs> Might be a while. So, but, uh, really Very fun. Cool. I like ghosts of salt marsh a lot. I'm having a good time with it. Um, I recently finished reading Descent into Avernus, and it's weird because Descent into Avernus has the higher production quality, and they it's an original story. It's not like a rehash from older modules kind of a thing, but mm -hmm. I prefer Ghosts of Saltmarsh over Descent into Avernus. Like, I thought I would really like Descent into Avernus, and I, it's a fine adventure, but if I had to choose between the two of them, I would definitely choose Ghosts of Saltmarsh. I think it's really interesting and well-written and the way I'm running it with the downtime and stuff like that has been um, really fun because there's new mechanics that I've been able to do lately um, and have complete uh, sessions where we don't do hardly any combat because there's so much for them to explore and so many people to talk to, to get information from and to, you know, shop and to do whatever they want to do. And so it's been, it's been really cool. Yeah. That's Are there still a lot of dice rolls happening if there's not combat? Yeah, there's persuasion checks. There's things like that. There's uh, deception checks. There's stealth checks to hide from things. There's things to do that. But yeah, I mean, not a ton, but um, yeah. 
it's it's uh mm-hmm. it's definitely i've usually always been very combat heavy and these last couple sessions of ghosts of salt marsh just because the way the the uh adventure kind of fell into place they had to do a lot of talking to gather information and that took up the majority of the night so they yeah. did get that one awesome combat with the Saha- or the sea hags though so don't think i'm not throwing them any combat there you <laughs> What is this D&D non-combat game you're playing? Blasphemy. (laughs) But yeah, what did you do in games this week? So we had our typical sessions, our Monday and Wednesday sessions at the moment. So Monday night is the Seeking Revenor West Marches style game um, that has kind of turned into the one group that I'm running at the moment because I wanted a nice long um, storyline to go through here. And they, I'm using a lot of the strongholds and followers, um, stuff from that book from matt coville's book so they have a keep they called it the abbey of saint timor which was uh one of the characters that had died in this abbey as they were trying to clear it out they were on their way to fight at the black pyramid and then had realized that an army is marching on their keep so they had Mm -hmm. to hurry back to defend their keep one of the things that matt coville always says about that is it's not really theirs until they've defended it at least once which i really like so so there's this army of um, several units of what I'm using is Norkers, which are some Greyhawk kind of goblinoid-like creatures, a little bit modified for my 5e campaign. I'm using some gnolls on direwolves as some vanguard. And then I've got this back line of kind of like heavy troops, which is a group of ogres, a group of trolls that are guarding the main uh, stone giant. And then I've got a couple of hill giants, which are acting as like siege weapon kind of guys, right? And the players had decided to stay hidden outside of the keep. As soon as this army started to um, fight, they were going to come in from behind and try to assassinate the general to see if they could break this army without having to fight the whole thing. But it's quickly all just gone to, to a mess. But what's really fun is we've had this really big map in World 20, We've got the keep drawn on there. We've got the units moving around. We're using some of the unit combat. They had a unit of um, mace and shield um, footmen that are that came from the Temple of uh, Helm, uh, which is one of the paladins is for the God of Helm. Mm-hmm. And they also had a uh, unit of elven rangers. They're called wayfinders that came from, there's an elven city to the north that they're friends with, and they have a unit that, helps them out so they had two units and there's other units that are fighting each other so we're getting a little bit of like unit on unit action but we're also right in the middle of that we're getting players fighting other creatures and they've fought the ogres and they've done pretty well but now the trolls and the and the the giants are about to descend upon my level i think they're all like level six or seven right now but they're pretty powerful characters And uh, it's just been really, really good. Like everybody's been talking about the session. We're midway through the battle. It's going to be a two session long battle. I mean, we started the session off with fighting. We went the whole session, we called it, and there's still going to be probably another session of full on fighting. So like I went the opposite. You like went, we didn't do hardly any, I'm going full on. There's nothing else in this. Um, It was very similar to when I ran, um, not a, not a big spoiler, um, because you're when you run the campaign, you might not do it. But in Storm King's Thunder, there's a battle of Tribor that could happen if you decide. There's like different ways you could take your party, mm-hmm. and I took him to Tribor. Um, and there's a big battle that happens. That battle, when I ran it for Storm King's Thunder, took us three sessions to resolve because there was wow. so much going on in this town being overrun by this horde of giants. Very similar to what we have now. Um, <laughs> So it was really fun to, to jump back into that. My players are very tactical. They like to use all their abilities. They like measuring things out. They like coming up with weird combinations and synergies. And the battle's going up and down. And they got their barbarian did a crit. And he's got like polearm mastery. And he's using a great axe and all this craziness. And, and all of a sudden does like 47 points of damage in just one single hit or something crazy and it's just like so big damage is being thrown out and it's um it's been epic it's been really fun and they all had a really good time they're talking about what their plans are for the next coming up session so that was that's the thing that i'm always starting to recognize if my sessions have gone good is by how much they're talking in between the session so if they're doing a lot of, because we use a Discord channel where they all can chat and talk about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. If they're focused on, oh my God, what are we going to do in the next session? I know I've ran a pretty good session. If it's crickets and they're not really <laughs> talking about anything, I feel like, well, all right, maybe I need to up my game a little bit. These yeah. guys need to be invested. 
Yeah. Um, so that's been really cool. I really enjoyed, uh, we've got to use some, some um, stronghold actions. So like the paladin has been able to use a stronghold action from the book of strongholds and followers, which is the one he chose was a really cool one. It's these golden chains surge from the ground being powered by Torm, his God, and they wrap themselves around all evil aligned creatures on the field. So it's just like all these golden chains, just grapple them and then hold them down. And they have to make a grapple check if they want to break out of it. So this really cool cinematic scene. And for the first time, our Druid, because he got his Grove done, which is an add on addition to the keep, I allowed him to do his keep action and his was he was able to summon 1d4 shambling mounds, but we kind of use like the treant picture for him. So he, he brings up three of these treant CR six creatures in the battlefield and they're, you know, going to battle with these big giants and it's like epic. And they're all just loving the idea that all these things are happening and, mm. and all these weird abilities are coming together and, and they're really getting to fight. So I've had a really good time with it. It's kind of energized me again. I feel like I'm about to hit a big lull though, because when this finishes, I don't know what we're going to do next because this is kind of the culmination of one big story thread and we're done. So now what happens? So I'm in that area of everybody's campaign where you get to an end point and you're not sure where you're going to go. I I almost assume like it's when they defeated your black pyramid. Yeah. And now you were starting to think, well, they want to go home do I take them through the shadow fell to do that? Do I do this other thing? Do I, you know, what, what am I going to do? I'm at that spot now where I have to kind of decide now, where does the campaign go? There's, there's still a big overarching thread, mm-hmm. but what are the other little things that are happening? So I have to kind of decide that. So we're getting to yeah. that point, which might work out because we could take like a Christmas break. Give me some time to really think about what we're going to do and then keep ramping that up. But this is the longest I've ran any campaign so far. So it's been a struggle for me to keep interested in running it when it felt slow at times to me, or like I wasn't really getting things done or I don't know. I didn't, I'm never as excited as I am in that very beginning, that first week you're going to run a campaign. My excitement levels through the roof. And right now my excitement levels like halfway for that, right? It's, mm. it's, it's good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I, I love their enthusiasm about what they're seeing and what's happening to them, but I'm still not as excited as I was that day I started, you know, seeking revenue, um, which was really super cool. So I might have to go back and, and find a way to get more of that excitement back into me. Um, the Wednesday night game is the Tomb of Annihilation game. I still, hands down, think this is the best um, campaign to play in. I agree with you that I bet Ghost of Salt Marsh is written better than uh, Descent into Avernus. Um, I still want to play more Descent into Avernus, and we are doing oh, that yeah. with LB Hackamuck. I'm not trying to, like, it's it's a fine yeah. adventure. No, I think, I think that Salt Marsh book apples is to oranges. really good. Yeah. Yeah, that Ghost of Saltmarsh is one of their top. That first chapter in that book is one of my favorite reads to this day. It's mm-hmm. it's really good read. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. But I, playing this Tomb of Annihilation, once you get to the city of Omu and you're doing the other stuff and you're working through this, I just love this campaign. It is so good. My character is Vanguard, the war wizard. We're four or five levels down. We have no idea how much more we have to go. I don't want to spoil it. It's a nice big puzzle thing going on right now um, that we're having to try to figure out what the right combination is to get to the spot we need to go. Mm-hmm. We keep triggering things that are almost killing us. And the further we go down, the traps have gotten way and way more deadly. Like they're starting to hit for some really serious points. People are taking 45, 50 points at a time in just a round and all of a sudden hit points are going crazy you know you're just like oh this is dangerous um so that's all really good but we're getting lots of good magic items and stuff too so that's been really fun um so it's been what i like about it is the diversity of the traps the puzzles but then the encounters that are happening while that while it's happening so we're getting a good variety of traps RP encounters, like you might come across somebody that's been trapped there. You might come across a body. You're trying to figure out how or what happened to them. Um, you're trying to figure out a message that's been written on the wall, or you're just RPing with your your friends and your NPCs in your party. And then the really good combat stuff of things you haven't always seen, things that are meant to counter adventurers. Um, if I guess a, 
I don't know if it's a big spoiler. Well, it's it's a spoiler, so I probably won't say it. I recommend that you go play this. If you haven't got a chance to have a dungeon master run you through Tomb of Annihilation, definitely do it. Make your way through the jungle part. The jungle part is a lot of slogging through hexes, a lot of wilderness stuff, and you might feel like you're a little lost, but I guess in a way you should feel lost in a jungle. But once you hit that City of Omu stuff, man, it's really, really good. So I love it. I really uh, want to... So I've been talking a lot or thinking a lot about, uh, you know, my, my group, we were playing Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. My Sunday group is kind of like twice a month now, maybe. And that's my Vecna game. And my other two groups was Ghost of Salt Marsh and Acquisitions Incorporated. And now that's going to be just once a week. And I really want to do like a Tuesday or a Friday game. And I was thinking, I was like, I really should try to run online tomb of annihilation or out of the abyss because those are the two uh those are the two that i really enjoy the most the two uh, modules that wizards of the coast had come out with so it's it's on my i'm really thinking about it because i like tomb of annihilation a lot as well it's fun yeah and just like in chat there they said you know we're talking about discord we should put our discord link we do have a discord channel for all of our fans to come and talk about all things gaming in our saturday morning dnd yeah. show um, I'm sure, uh, do we have that link? Let me see if I have it active here. Um, yeah. Should just be create an invite, right? Invite people. Let's try that. Sometimes we can do links in chat. There we go. Yeah. Hopefully that works. Come join us. Have fun. Talk to us all about that stuff. So that's what I've done. Um, What's interesting, I think we should talk about a little bit, is are you already starting to get the, hey, guys, Christmas is coming up. We need to figure our schedule out. That that talk has started about people trying to figure out can we play or when we can't yeah, play. Like or... we can't play next week because of a Christmas work party, and it's yeah, already yeah, happening. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to have like two weeks off during Christmas, and I wish my friends had more time off as well because I'm like I would run a game like every other night. So maybe that's what I'm I need to do is, is do a couple of one shots with you guys and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's, I'm always that same way because I don't do a ton with my family over the holidays. I like to take holidays and be just me and my wife and doing things. And we kind of do our, our things together, but there's a lot of time for me just being home. And it's just like, this is the perfect time for gaming for me, though. I know many people do travel and I know many people do lots of birthday parties or not birthday parties, but like Christmas parties with different family members in different areas. So I get yeah. it, but I want to play games. <laughs> <laughs> I want to run games. I want to run aliens. I want to run um, what I got over here. I got uh, forbidden Overlight. lands. I've got uh, over. Uh, yeah. Overlight there. I've got all these cool games to play. I got to play them. <laughs> But that's about it for my playing in Dungeons and Dragons. Our next Saturday game with LB Hackem up for more Descent into Avernus, I think, is in two weeks. So I got a couple of weeks yet before I, I jump back into my Tabaxi Monk, which has been really fun. That's cool. What level um, are you? We just hit third, so I just okay. was able to choose my path um, for my monk, and I went, I went the one that has all the elements because I wanted it to be a very elemental style. Yeah. Um, um, monks, they, so I could really pull on stuff. I like, I like, uh, the flavor of that. Um, the elemental monk where you can use your key to pat, to do burning hands and things like that. But mm -hmm. it has been like, it is well known to be, the worst monk path not saying anything like you'll make it work and you'll have a lot of fun even a bad monk path is still a good monk like yeah. it's kind of like the fighter like even the eldritch knight fighter which is the worst of the all of them is still a really good fighter uh but uh i really like the elementalist monk i thought it was kind of like avatar the last airbender cool and i like and that's I what i was going for because i'm mine was very much i'm doing um you know a very uh naruto very style yeah. monk for mine and it's so i wanted i wanted to be able to do those kinds of call on a fire-based thing or call yeah, on a water-based thing yeah. or call on an air-based thing yeah yeah for sure that was really cool um, so yeah I, I wanted i wanted the the uh the lightning hands my my yeah. <laughs> chitari <laughs> uh, that is so, awesome. for all that so that'd be good and i'm i'm still enjoying um Obi Hackem up as a dungeon master has been really good. Danimal DM, he's my Australian dungeon master has been fantastic. And I'm still having really a lot of fun running my games. I really should run a few more, but 
like you said, you've got the you've got the kid. We've all got. Um, I think I'm good. Kind with three of a week. stuff that happens. So yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep it at three a week, and we'll see what go. can happen. So, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, just a heads up: it is PAX Unplugged. If you yes. are an Acquisitions Incorporated fan, they are going to be streaming that on the Acquisitions Incorporated Twitch channel tonight. I think I'm going to watch it live. Usually I catch it on YouTube later, but uh, I have not a lot going on tonight. So I'm going to be watching that and it'll be a lot of fun. Maybe I'll see you yeah, guys in And they're chat. in hell. Yeah. That's really where exciting. they left off. They really are in exciting. hell. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. That is our show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you show. guys for uh, allowing me to wake up. I feel really energized and refreshed as aside from my maybe three hours of sleep I got last night. Uh, but you guys are really, really great. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for liking, subscribing, sharing all that other fun stuff. Uh, we really like having, uh, our, our, our followers be active in the chat and things like that. So we love, uh, all the YouTube comments that we get. Um, if you do listen to us as a podcast, rate us on iTunes, rate us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be really great. Um, also, I lost my train of thought. Also, need more sleep. I need more sleep. Yeah. Okay. It'll come back to me. Oh, join the Discord. If you are interested in our Discord, um, it is, uh, there's a link in the description of the YouTube channel and in the show notes for the podcast. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. I believe it's active all the time. So let me know if it's not. Uh, but it will, uh, you, you can just join. Anybody's there. We kind of just share whatever D&D stuff is going on. Um, I think the other day I put in like a, uh, Tiny D6 was having a huge sale. And so I kind of told people like, hey, it's 85% off if you want to grab all these like tiny dungeon stuff. It's really cool. So we yeah. try to be pretty active in there. Uh, thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I got to go to my my thing slide here. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. ready Bye everybody. Thank you so much. (laughs) Take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.